forever. Dog. Just between us. Hey. Just between us. Hey. Hello, I'm Elsie Maskin. I'm a writer, mental health advocate, and I just took two focus gummies. So this episode might get a little wild. Hey, I'm Gabe Dunn. I'm a writer, bicon, bisexual icon, wink, and I'm allergic to cobalt slash B12. So none for me. So are you allergic to B12 or you're allergic to cobalt? What's cobalt? Cobalt um, has B12 in it or something, or B12 has cobalt in it. So it's like a thing where I it exacerbated my contact dermatitis and turned my face red. Oh. Yeah. So that's like um, a new allergy that I've been alerted to about myself because I was drinking liquid IV and uh, it got. It- oh, my God. When you told me this and you called it liquid IV, I thought you literally were getting like an IV. No, 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 Because people do that. People will like go get these like restorative IVs. no, 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 no. you were just drinking a drink. A drink called liquid IV. Oh. Yeah. And so I was drinking it and my whole face turned red. Sorry to liquid IV. I'm sure a lot of people really like it. But uh, yeah, I got mad. What? You're looking up what happened? Yeah, it inflamed my whole face. But it's when they're working, like they don't necessarily have to be together but if you're drinking something where they are together then it creates an allergic reaction cobalt and b12 yes yeah. so if it was just in that drinking separately you may not be allergic but it's the two of them together yeah it was it was not good for my face like burned yeah and it's, it's seems like it's pretty common <laughs> really yeah yeah it was bad but what if you took just like a b12 supplement that i didn't don't know. have cobalt i don't know but it took like three days in order or it says it it takes like it took like a week and then it says that it doesn't leave your system for like 30 days yeah it's some protein methylation something Ooh. happens yeah yeah so that's fun to find a new allergy at 34 <laughs> Really real fun one for me and also my face, which like just was burned. By the time this episode comes out, though, you'll be 35. I'll be 35. That's very, a big one. Yeah, I'm excited. I, I, I love to now that I'm trans, I like aging because I'm like, I'll get I'll start to look more like what I want to look like as I you know get older. So I'm like, I'm anticipating, you know, I'm like, mm. come on, get to 37, get to 38. What am I going to look like? You know, what are you going to do for your birthday? Well, I was going to have people go to a bar, but then you and Melissa were both like, we'll uh, take you out to dinner. So now you're going to have people go to a bar, but not invite us? No, you're invited, (laughs) but I feel like you won't come. We should still be invited. No, I'm going to invite you, but I just am aware (laughs) that you will not be going. But it's your birthday. You make you make your choice and then we'll take you out to dinner. Yeah, you'll need you might be hungover. Maybe we take take you out to like brunch the next day. That's true. This is Just Between Us, a variety show filled with heartfelt advice, ridiculous games, and brutal honesty. So there's something I want to talk about, which is that on this show, it came up pretty organically because we were talking about therapy and we were talking about why I have a new therapist. And I said that I am seeing an autism specialist therapist now. And this is a new therapist because I wanted to explore the possibility of myself having autism and then we made a YouTube video expanding on that, talking a bit more about my journey with autism. And I shared some really vulnerable stories from when I was younger um, about being bullied and coming to realize that some of that bullying was based in my autism and real, you know, some struggles that I had gone through relating to it 
And, you know, I said, I'm not trying to make a big deal or redo my entire life around this, but it is nice to have sort of context for how I'm feeling, a way to communicate with other people, what's going on with me, a shorthand, and a way to better understand myself through reading books about it or podcasts or just feeling like I, I'm not so much of a freak and I can understand where certain things are coming from and I feel more educated about myself and the way my brain works. It was a very vulnerable video. There were some people who were in the comments saying, I don't buy it, which is very hurtful. There was also a comment that was like, I, you know, have watched this show for eight years. Gabe just becomes exactly who they're dating. And this was because in the video I talked about, my boyfriend right now is also autistic. And this person said, in eight years, Gabe always becomes the person they're dating. They always copy the person they're dating and then made a wildly harmful and hurtful assertion about like that, that I had some other mental health disorder that they've, they've diagnosed me with through watching the show. Okay. The thing is, is that I tried to unpack this and say, okay, what do they mean by this? And first of all, the boyfriend that I'm dating, I was already... I was already seeing my autism therapist when I met him. I was already exploring an autism diagnosis when I met him. The reason that we got along so well up top is because I said something about being autistic and he said he was also autistic and we bonded over that. He did not influence me. He had nothing to do with my my thought process on this or diagnosis or anything. It's just something we bonded over when we first met. Two, I was like, what would make someone think this? And The thing is, is that when I dated a volleyball player, I didn't become a volleyball player. When I dated someone who worked in fashion, I didn't become a fashion designer. What this person, and it's a dog whistle, and I realized what this person actually means is that they view both transness and autism as social contagions. Even if they don't think that's what they're saying, what they're saying is think about the two things that they're referencing, right? My ex-partner was trans. And when I was in that relationship, I realized that I was trans mask as well. And I took steps to medically transition. The second thing is, is that they assumed that I only started researching my own autism and thinking about the way my brain works because I was dating someone who is autistic. And this came up a few times, like in people talking about me as if I am not a real person and this being hurtful for no reason or being hurtful because they think that they can just diagnose me over the internet or whatever. The two things that were the sticking points are transness and autism. So what you're covertly saying there, what you're co- or, or even overtly implying is that I'm not actually trans. I'm just trans because I was copying a partner and I'm not actually autistic because I'm just autistic because I'm copying a partner. And those are both things that people believe about transness and about autism that are so hurtful and so harmful and just show exactly what you think about these certain aspects of people because you believe them to be trends or something, right? You're, you're coming at it with this idea that you think that both of those things are trends and you're not saying that explicitly, but that is, that is what you mean, right? That both of those things are just trends that I'm following because I follow the trends of the people I'm dating, but not the ones who had other stuff just the ones who were trans and autistic. So that's interesting. Also, when you meet someone and you are drawn to them, 
no matter what, you are drawn to things about that person that you admire. You are drawn to things about that person that you might feel connection to, that you might see in yourself, that you might think, I really actually relate to this or I find that super interesting. Of course, if I'm exploring an autism diagnosis and I meet someone else with autism, we will have a lot to talk about. We will have a lot to relate on. We will have a, a, a relationship that actually works really well because we both understand each other and can give each other what we need. When I dated another trans person, it wasn't that I became trans or they turned me trans, which is incredibly problematic. It's that I was already thinking about gender. I related to things that they were saying about gender. The bond of the relationship grew from something that was already, we already had in common. Of course, you're drawn to people who are similar to you. So like, I just want you to, like these people to think about that. One, you are, everyone is drawn to people or date people that they feel a connection to, that they see parts of themselves in, that they see things that they relate to in. That's incredibly normal. And two, the reason that you're harping on this for these particular instances is because of your own transphobia and your own like anti autistic bias or ableism or mental health biases. Because I tried to think back on relationships that these people could be thinking of. And really, it just comes down to you think that I am following a trans trend and you think that I'm following an autism trend. And you can go fuck yourself. That's all. <laughs> that was very well said. Thanks. Do you want to discuss it more? Do you feel like you, you said what you wanted to say? I think I said what I wanted to say. I just think that the unsaid part of their harmful comments is that they find, just say what you mean. You think that transness is a trend and a social contagion and you think autism is a trend and a social contagion. Don't hide. Just say what you mean. You know what I mean? Yeah. And fuck off. <laughs> yeah, fuck off. Yeah, fuck off. <laughs> well, we have got a great episode for everyone today. Oh, yeah, we're going to be talking to Justine and Natasha from the Two Black Girls, One Rose podcast. And it's such a fun conversation. They're the best. Um, and it's just a really good one. We talk about like race and dating shows and reality shows. And I don't know. It was just really it was just a, I keep saying fun, but it was just a fun one. It was a fun one. <laughs> yeah. And later we'll be discussing a not so fun topic actually the opposite of fun which is medical discrimination in florida mm. so if you just got riled up like we should have we're gonna have a, a pause of just kind of and then fun, bring the and then we're gonna back. be riled again <laughs> <laughs> and that's the roller coaster of jvu <laughs> but first we have got to answer a listener's question and you know what that means hit it International question, international question, international question. Bruna, Brazil. Ooh. Another truly international question. Come to Brazil. Hello, Allison, Gabe, and Melissa. My name is Bruna, she, her. I'm 27 years old, and I'm from Brazil. Firstly, I'd like to thank both of you for all the amazing work that you do. Allison, you helped me feel secure enough to seek professional help for my depression and anxiety. Mm -hmm. And Gabe, you helped me accept my own bisexuality. So truly, thank you so much for changing my life for the better. Mm -hmm. TLDR, I'm in law school. I'm studying for the bar exams, but I don't want to be a lawyer. What do I do? For some context, I'm only in law school because I quit med school and my parents, whom I'm financially dependent on, didn't want me to get my bachelor's in history or social studies. 
I've never dreamed of becoming a lawyer and I have a hard time finding a job for a law school soon to be graduate that doesn't involve working in the judiciary. But how could I go back to school to study social studies, for instance, if I'm still dependent on my parents and they want me to be a freaking lawyer? I feel like a kid for still wanting to please them so much, even though I'm almost 30 and have completely different values and worldviews for them. For example, they are Bolsonaro supporters. Yikes. Any advice would be deeply appreciated. Uh, It's hard when you're still financially dependent on them. That's the part that stuck out to me. It sucks um, because they can withhold stuff if they don't approve of you, which is the hardest thing. Yeah. So I've been thinking about this and I think that it's one of those things where there's no good answer. Right. There is what is the better answer. Yes. And so it's sort of sitting with yourself and saying, what do I care about more? Mm-hmm. Am I willing to rock the boat in order to have a career that I care about in order to like live the type of life that, you know, am I willing to rock the boat both in my relationship with my parents and in my financial security in order to have the kind of job that I want to have? Mm-hmm. Or do I prioritize my family more and I'm willing to follow the path that they want from me in order to, you know, not cause friction. And yeah. And, and like, I can't sit here and say that like, there's one choice that's better than the other choice. Yeah. I mean, there's also the element of like, if you do work as a lawyer for a bit, then potentially you can create a nest egg for yourself, which will allow you to then go off and, and study what you want to study or, or change careers. Like, you know, by, by getting this, the job that you don't necessarily want right now, you can maybe be financially independent for the first time, which could then give you more options, more options and also make you realize like, okay, I do hate this as much as I was afraid that I was going to hate this. So I I do need to get out of here, but it, it really is. It's not like there's a tidy answer. And so it's sort of like sitting with yourself about like what matters the most to me right now. You're still young. You say 30, but you're still very young. And there's a lot of time for you to build the life that you want to live. And I think 30 is really young and you don't want to be unhappy for a long time. Like you're still, you know, you still have ideally 60 years ahead of you. You don't want to like spend 60 years being unhappy. You know what I mean? Like I think, I think Allison's right about doing it for a little while and saving money. I think that's really smart. And I think you both have a lot of time to sort of figure it out. And also like, I, I, I don't think not rocking the, I think it's like rocking the boat for a little bit in order to have a longer, more enjoyable existence. Like what's, what's the cost benefit time analysis, you know? Yeah. But I don't think you're taking into account that the riff that could come from. Right. So that's the thing. What? Not just money. Right. Like the, the riff that could come from not taking the path that her parents want for her could cause like a long standing rift. Can she go work at a company like as a part of the legal team for like a social cause? Yeah. Well, Melissa, say more about that. I don't know more about it. I'm just oh. I'm just throwing it out for y'all to. Yeah, that is a good idea. There are social causes. Like if that's find what area you want to work in, like that you're 
suggesting and everybody, every company needs a lawyer, needs a, a, a somebody that's on, you know, judiciary, but it doesn't have to necessarily be like going to like a prosecutorial. Like a, team, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Something like that. But they might just need somebody just like for protection. So the work you're doing, though, is still lawyer. work. It's still lawyer work, but it can be enough, like you said, creating that nest, but it's not necessarily in what it's still in the same field so it yeah. might like mentally feel better because mm, she's contributing mm-hmm. to what she wants to creating that nest and then even and she might like be at a company where they pay people to go to school and so right. like if she's there and then she can go to find some company that might pay to go for her to go back to school and then study what she wants to study and then come back and work for the company Also, like being a lawyer, Melissa's right, is useful to a lot of different places. Like in, you know, it says like you wanted to get your bachelor's in history or social studies. The law encompasses a lot of that. And I think like, I think there are places that will hire you because of your law degree, but not necessarily to be a lawyer. Like I think having this knowledge could let you be someone who could write about legal stuff for a blog or who could, you know, be a consultant on some sort of legal TV show or whatever it is. Like, you know, there's other things you can do with a law degree that isn't just becoming a lawyer, I think. Well, yeah, I think they know that. And they said, I have had a hard time finding a job for a law school soon to be graduate that doesn't involve working in the judiciary. I think they thought of that idea, but haven't been able to find like a law adjacent job. Which on the one hand can also just mean sometimes, Job market. You, you know, like it's you keep looking, you I think a big part of it is not feeling like if you choose to take a job as a lawyer that you're locked in for the rest of your life. Definitely not. like really looking at it as like a stepping stone to wherever you want to go. And that stepping stone could be solely financial and that like you're just going to collect that money until you can make a career shift or it could be. Like Melissa was implying, getting your foot in the door with certain companies that you like and respect mm-hmm. and then trying to figure out if there's a way to get out of the the law part and into a part of the job uh, or into a part of the organization that is that is more interesting to you. Also, with parents and you being almost 30, you don't have to volunteer any information that they're not asking. Like, you don't have to be so enmeshed. Like, you don't have to volunteer. If unless they're badgering you all the time, you don't have to volunteer anything. Like you can you can have this this path and these ideas and think about what you want to do and think about getting money. You don't have to keep them informed on every step of your job life. Sure. But I I also think that, you know, different cultures have different have different structures of how family works and the importance of family. And um, and so I don't want to negate that. No, but I just mean you don't have to volunteer information that you for it's unlikely plan. they're not going to know what your job is like. They'll... But you don't have to say, and then I'm going to leave this job soon and yeah. get my nest yeah. egg. You, you don't can need sort of... to say your plans four steps ahead. But right. I think that like it's un... it seems like likely that they're pretty heavily involved in your day to day life, which makes sense because they're your family. Yeah, I think like thinking not just next step, but what's what what are the other steps? You know, what's the thinking long term instead of short term might um, alleviate some of your fear and discomfort and also like open up some different solutions for you. Yeah, definitely. Hopefully that helps. If you want to submit your international question, you can send it to just between us pod at gmail.com. It's just between us pod at gmail.com. Up next, we have an exciting interview with our highly esteemed guests, Natasha Scott and Justine Kay. Stay tuned.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Has dealing with stress and trying to get more focused a New Year's resolution you haven't cracked yet or don't really know how to fix? I have a lot of trouble staying focused and I also get super stressed out and I think the not being able to stay focused really dovetails with that. So if there was a way for me to keep my focus that didn't also cause my brain to get so scattered with stress, I would love to be able to fix it. I sometimes can't focus on the task at hand because I'm so busy realizing that there are things I need to do on the Just Between Us Instagram account. So I'll be like fully writing something and all of a sudden my brain will go, (gasps) JBU Instagram, have to post on social media. Truvega is a handheld product that stimulates the vagus nerve to improve overall health and wellness. Stimulating the vagus nerve with Truvega helps to balance and strengthen the nervous system, which reduces stress, increases focus, improves mood, and improves sleep. Truvega is owned by Electrocore and uses its patented technology for overall health and wellness benefits. Its utilized technology is the most clinically studied and tested vagus nerve therapy available. Customizable sessions are only two minutes long. Recommended usage is one session in the morning and one at night. Truvega comes programmed with 350 sessions, which if used twice a day, will last approximately six months. It's drug-free and easy-to-use therapy to help improve your health. No app or phone is required. We offer free standard shipping, payment plan options, and a 30-day money-back guarantee. It's only available in the U.S. at this time. Visit Truvega.com. T-R-U-V-A-G-A dot com and enter promo code just between us to enhance your wellness journey, support this podcast and receive $15 off. That's T-R-U-V-A-G-A dot com. Check out promo code just between us. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy and delicious breads, buns and tortillas? These ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. back to just between us it's time for the juiciest most scandalous most controversial segment known to all of podcasting tough questions this week on the show we have natasha scott and justine k the hosts of two black girls one rose a podcast that asks why don't reality dating shows look or feel like reality uh it's basically just all about the sort of popular tv teachings on modern dating relationships and marriage but also, we want to get into Race and the Bachelor because uh, holy shit. <laughs> oh, yes. Holy shit. <laughs> so you guys are on the front lines. You are, I think, yeah. illegally veterans. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think we can wear that badge. <laughs> yeah. Right? I think to start, because there's so much to dive into, is can you kind of take us through your personal relationship with the show and when you kind of got too fed up? Mm, yeah. So I, 
I remember seeing season one of The Bachelor. So I've been kind oh of wow. in this space for a while, kind of watching it. Um, almost like a guilty pleasure, just something on TV, always watching. Um, so yeah, I've been deep in the space for a minute. And um, Justine and I started watching together during Rachel Lindsay's season. Mm-hmm. So first mm. Black Bachelorette, that was a huge moment. And she and I would meet at each other's apartments, bring a bottle of wine, watch the show, dissect the shit out of it. Yeah, be at each other's house like one, two o'clock in the morning, like still yeah, talking ridiculous. about the show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Justine, you have a different relationship to... I do. Yeah. I would always watch The Bachelor at the very end of every season, the last like one or two episodes, knew no one's name, but I knew that they were going to go nuts over this guy who was probably very mediocre and it was going to be drama. Sometimes Natasha would tell me about the drama and it would be fun. And then I was a Dancing with the Stars fan and a lot of those people went on to Dancing with the Stars, but I never really watched like a whole season until Rachel's season. Yeah. And so during Rachel's season is when we both also started listening to podcasts. We just loved Rachel Lindsay. So we're like, we need to hear anything else. And the podcasts that we're recapping, we're kind of just, I feel like they were watching a different show. Like we yeah. were not watching <laughs> yeah. the same show as they were. So that was really kind of like the catalyst for us starting our own show, wanting to mm-hmm. bring our voice as Black women into this very exclusively white space. And yeah, it's been a lot of fun, but we got fed up last season (laughs) when they announced Zach as The Bachelor and we're like, we just Mm -hmm. can't. I mean, we've watched a lot of mediocre white men on this show, Find Love, but with Zach, we just had to draw the line. Just couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, what was missing on those shows? Like, what was important about, like, your voices? Well, our voices were not in the conversation at all. So it was very obvious that there were no Black people in front, behind, to the side to the left, to the right. And what we found when we started our podcast, especially after Rachel's season, was that Black people were watching the show. We were shocked Mm -hmm. when we got the audience that we did. But what's missing is that people glaze over these topics, probably because they don't have the vocabulary or the know-how or the knowledge to speak about them. And so they brush over them. Mm -hmm. And I think another thing that um was really important for us is it's kind of holding this franchise like accountable you know the bachelor has been on air for over 20 years not that many shows are on air for that long so for it to be on air for that long amass the fandom and the empire that it has and somehow got away with never casting a black (laughs) lead like a black male lead in that 20 years just felt like someone needs to be talking about this. Like, why aren't we mm-hmm. talking about this and creating some type of stir? And let's talk about the conversation of representation on television, on popular television, in particular, in a very popular TV show that's been a mainstay on television. But somehow, like, no one's talking about this. So that kind of was also um, a huge part of our mission is having fun mm-hmm. watching the show, but also let's let's get real and talk about what we're watching here and what seems a little problematic. Let's see what mm-hmm. seems a little bit um, off-putting, particularly for viewers of color who might be watching the show and don't see themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about how we watch the show um, as Black viewers. We can enjoy it, but we're also, we have a different lens that felt like uh, the shows and other podcasts were kind of ignoring as we were watching. How have you felt about the times when race has been directly discussed on screen? Because in the last few years, I feel like we're finally starting to like see these conversations. But how do you think that they went and how do you think they were handled? 
Mm-hmm. I don't think they were full conversations. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to argue that they were cut very, very short. Michelle's season had some pretty good conversations about race, but they were also pretty short. Matt James, they made him look like he had no idea what was even going on. Like He wasn't even on planet Earth. They made him look <laughs> like the way that they directed his season and had people talking about race. And he would be like, wow, that's a great point. And then they would just slice whatever he had to say right out. Mm-hmm. And I think having him as the bachelor was one of the worst decisions they could have made because they yeah. were ready. They were not ready. And so the conversations, I just think they weren't conversations. I, I, I can't even give them that kind of dignity. Yeah. And then how did you feel about who he ended ended up with? That was to be expected. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, he opened yep. the season by saying, I don't really date black women. I don't so... date black women and I ain't picking one. So <laughs> I don't know who you thought was going to be on the TV, but it's not going to be yeah. me and another black girl. Sorry. <laughs> yep. I know that they do a lot. They seem to think that they do a lot of vetting. But then somehow every season, mm-hmm. someone has done blackface. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which I don't, I can't name. No. I know a lot of people. A lot I'm of people, quite, right? I know a lot of people in my personal mm-hmm. life. Yes. I would say none Same. of them have. I would, lo- I would like Same. to believe none of them have done blackface. Right. Yes. So how do yes. you, in, a, in, a, in the whole world that you're picking from, how are there so many people who have done blackface? And they're not old. No. They're no. quite young contestants. Yes. All of them under 30. <laughs> are they not doing enough research? What's going on? They don't care? I think they might think it's like fun. They might think it's like a fun, a fun sprinkle at oh, this God. point. Because it's like either they think it's a fun sprinkle or they're just saying that they're vetting and they're not actually vetting. Yeah. Which actually yeah. might, is probably the truth. That's right? They're I probably think. not looking all the way back to 2016 and 2008 tweets. Yeah. I don't think they care enough. The fact that viewers of the show, people on Reddit, people in our Facebook group can easily Google these people and find, you know, dig up these blackface shows that they're not really digging. Like, yeah, hire one of them. Hire one of them. Exactly. So, yeah. And then I'd love to talk about like your decision to you're no longer going to be covering The Bachelor and Bachelorette, right? We took off for a season. We yeah. took off for oh, Zach's season. Because you're coming back. You have fan. to. I mean, not you have to. I don't want to tell you how to do, live your lives, but you got to cover charity <laughs> season. It's a black woman. Yeah. I would be I would be devastated not to hear your take. Yeah. Yeah. But what was your decision not to cover Zach? So we at the time were really paying attention to our listeners and kind of the musings around them and the lack of excitement that they had with Zach. And then also Bachelor Nation as a whole was just not mm-hmm. very excited about Zach. I think he had like the least amount of like Instagram followers, which is like very much a measure of success in Bachelor Nation. And yeah, just like overall, just wasn't very popular. And then obviously me and Justine weren't excited. So we're like, okay, this seems almost, it seems almost like a risk to cover his season because people don't seem very engaged. So we really saw it as an opportunity to explore other shows with our listeners. Married at First Sight is another big show that comes on usually around the same time as The Bachelor Mm -hmm. that our audience also watched. And so for us, it just seemed kind of like a natural jump. Like we're still in the space of talking about dating, relationships, love on popular television. Let's look at it through the lens of a different show. And so, yeah, we took it as a really prime opportunity for us to just explore, rebrand ourselves a bit 
and transition into away from being just a bachelor podcast Mm -hmm. and really transition into being a show that really sits at the intersection between like a TV recap and dating relationships. It's essentially for the past five years covering The Bachelor, we've been talking about modern dating, love, relationships, marriage, but doing it through the lens of The Bachelor. So if we take The Bachelor out, we still want to have those conversations and we could do it through watching other popular TV shows. Have you found that other shows like Married at First Sight or Love is Blind handle race better or have a have a better handle on like diversity and inclusion? I think those are different. I think diversity and inclusion is an all-encompassing thing and race mm-hmm. is something that's really, a, I think, a baseline. I think that Love is Blind is just getting there, but they're also just in their fourth season as well. Mm-hmm. So they're already doing better than The Bachelor, if that's <laughs> the measure. They're doing much better than The Bachelor is. And then as far as Married at First Sight, they've always done better with race. Mm -hmm. Neither of these shows, though, do very well in any other capacity for diversity. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Just race is doing good. Right. But I would say Mm -hmm. like with Married at First Sight, pretty much since like season one, they've always cast at least one couple that was a black couple or a couple where the, uh, the two individuals were of color. Mm-hmm. I mean, it took us 20 years to get a, a Black Bachelor, but from pretty much season one of Married at First Sight, we've at least seen that representation. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen, you know, hard-hitting, tough conversations around race, but they've definitely done well in the realm of representation. At least I can turn on mm-hmm. the show and see someone who looks like me. Mm-hmm. I think some my in some of these other shows, they do better at, like, different body types or different backgrounds or something. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they, the bachelor sort of has people who are deeply Christian and then also everyone is thin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like, I've seen on these other shows, there's like, I don't know, was that, have they ever had like a, a person, a Muslim person on the bachelor that made it anywhere? Like, no, I don't think so. Or like the, <laughs> yeah. Or like even the, the body diversity of yeah. these other shows. Like, yeah. is this why the bachelor is, getting kind of left in the dust by these other really popular shows, do you think? Is it for all of these reasons? Mm, Well, I think that's an interesting question. I think there's more people that are relatable to root for on these other shows than there are for The Bachelor. Mm. I don't think that anybody's doing a great job with body diversity. Yeah, We had a really good representation of one woman last season of love is blind season three but with men never body diversity Mm -hmm. they thought that rodney was body diversity people were calling him fat in our dms Mm. (gasps) yeah it was wild yeah it was Mm -hmm. crazy Mm -hmm. from the bachelor and i think these other shows just do well because the people are like easier to root for and they're also on streaming services and so they're more popular Mm -hmm. but as far as religious or body diversity they're not doing so great i know the bachelor has had a jewish lead at least one Mm. maybe oh yeah 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 but they treated ariel oh you didn't watch zach's season Ariel's Jewish and they treated it like she was the most exotic thing. (laughs) Like she was just literally Jewish. Mm. And they were like, 
ooh, her people. You know? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, my God. And we're both Jewish. Yeah. I was like, I like it, but also like, what is <laughs> <Yeah>. this? What? <laughs> it was really funny to me. I'm curious about like what you've discovered about modern dating and like the connection between reality TV. Like, do you think that these shows like influence how people are dating in real life? I think, yeah, we're exploring that more in our show now. Like, what can we even learn about dating from these shows? I think with The Bachelor, what's been tough is the show exists in such a fantasy world, like Mm -hmm. devoid of reality in modern dating. You know, they kind of pretend like all these people are sequestered in this kind of fantasy land. They have no access to their phones, things like that. So it's been really tough to understand what we're supposed to learn from this fantasy world. I think The Bachelor has brought up some interesting conversations around like emotional manipulation, emotional abuse we've seen Mm. kind of in past seasons if we're thinking like Luke P and (laughs) Hannah B season. Yeah, that was tough to watch. (laughs) So we've had some great dialogue on 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 our podcast around that. But I think shows like Love is Blind, for instance, this past season brought up a lot of conversation, you know, watching, Mm -hmm. let's say, like Kwame and and Chelsea, an interracial couple. And, you know, Mm -hmm. that brought up a lot of conversation there and kind of mix of not just interracial, but also also intercultural. Mm -hmm. I'd say even like Micah and Paul from Love is Blind, the conversation of like dating against your type and how much influence should your friends and family have in who you date? So I think as vapid as like reality dating as a genre can seem, everyone has a relationship to love. Everyone has a relationship to dating or relationships. And so oftentimes you can still see yourself or if not yourself, your friends and their situation reflected in the show. And so we've, yeah, very much been able to have some really good conversations, particularly in these non-bachelor shows that we've been Mm -hmm. covering. (laughs) Mm-hmm. It's aspirational versus relatable now. People want relatable. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Yep. Yeah. That's a really good point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how do you feel about like this idea of like being there for the right reasons? Right. Like mm-hmm. I feel like it's now in Bachelor Nation. Like you're not as supposed to admit the fact that if you get on the show, the likelihood that you will suddenly be famous, famous mm-hmm. is going to be enticing. Like, do you right. think that like the the pushback against that is like part of the problem instead of like, well, of course people would be drawn to this and that's part of the appeal and, and that's okay to like say out loud. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think with a structure like the bachelor, the right reasons is to go on the show and start your Instagram going like, there's you're one out of 30 Mm -hmm. right and so you're competing one-on-one just for one guy and even three just for like for one person and i think with a show like love is blind where you're matched one-on-one that can seem very divisive if you go on that kind of a show and you Mm -hmm. are just there to be famous and even the contestants who've won like i got my good eye on lauren and cameron and on alexis and (laughs) brennan because i'm like y'all are content creators before you came on the show Mm. but i don't i i don't think it's wrong to go on a show where there's so much competition and also so many opportunities to be on a a very large uh like network television without a a nice little business plan Mm -hmm. but how do you feel about the how fast that happens and the mental health aspect because Love Island, mm. which is a show that I love, had multiple suicides mm-hmm. because I think people become very famous overnight, very, very fast. 
especially yeah. with Love Island. Most of them are not content creators or, you know, a lot of them, they'll cast on Love Island, like literally a plumber or like a secretary or like, a you know, they don't cast people who are already sort of famous. Mm -hmm. It may be a little, but so like, how do you, and then, you know, Nick and Danielle have been talking a lot mm -hmm. about how they were treated on Love is mm -hmm. Blind mental health wise. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So like, how do you feel about the morality of, of watching these shows thinking, okay, this is, this is people's real lives that's changing so fast mm -hmm. and that and should they be more prepared yeah i mean i think the onus is really on the show and production to provide the resources and support for these people um right. which we're seeing now with the big lawsuit that's out just like how unprotected these cast members are i think when you're signing up to go on reality tv and to kind of put your life out there as an adult, that's a decision you're making. And so you got to kind of do your own little research or figure out how you're going to support yourself with the catapulted fame that might come at you. But I think it needs to, as I said, we're seeing with all these people coming forward, there needs to be better support embedded within the show. Mm -hmm. I know in the Bachelor world, they've talked about there being like an on-set therapist for the lead. Mm -hmm. but I don't know if that service exists for the contestants. And I feel like the contestants probably more than anyone need it because they're living in this sequestered house with 30 people on bunk beds and they see the person that they're there to date once a week, once in a blue moon. And then, yeah, same for Love is Blind as we're seeing with, you know, all the reports coming out. Um, it's really the production that clearly needs to do a better job at helping support them while they're being filmed on the show, but then also after. You know, you've now... Mm -hmm. bachelor gotten 30 seasons under your belt and you've seen the trajectory of fame that exists for these people and you've seen as you said with people who have been battling mental health issues um as a result or people who have committed suicide even as a result the the writing the evidence is there so mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we have to not ignore that and also just face the fact that these people are going to build great careers because of your platform after your platform and they have to put investment into supporting those people. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about the Love is Blind lawsuit and what's been going on there? Yeah. So I'm not sure who's at the head of it. I think it's a man who was in the pods. I don't think he got engaged, but he was one of the one of the men in the pods, right? Yeah. Yeah. Who like started the lawsuit that many other yeah. people have jumped onto now. But basically kind of revealing just the abysmal conditions that they were under um, with filming the show. Lack of sleep, lack of proper food, lack of proper like hydration, just like basic essentials that created a really unsafe environment for them um, mm -hmm. that had many of them dealing with, while filming, emotional and mental issues that were not being addressed by production. And so he came forth with this lawsuit that now, you know, bigger people from Love is Blind, like Nick and Danielle, have come forward to also co-sign and talk about their experience filming the show. And it's really just kind of been very eye-opening to just the mm -hmm. lack of protection uh, that we're seeing. These people that we love to watch, we love watching, but not understanding mm -hmm. what they're going through in filming the show. And especially for the contestants on season two, Love is Wine specifically, mm. it was just not worth it for them. Not one of them. They it all doesn't seem like it was worth it. They all broke up. They all have leads like floundering kind of like attempts at some sort of a podcast or something. And they just don't seem to be grasping it the same way that other casts are grasping that mm -hmm. kind of like internet fame mm -hmm. that makes those conditions and that level of like low level pay 
worth it at the end. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right. If you come out and you have 900,000 followers on Instagram, that's worth it for you to come out of two weeks of a little bit of survivor treatment. But for <laughs> them, for them, it's not worth it. Yeah. And that's just that's not that's nobody's fault. Like it just happened that way. Mm. It doesn't even have the same growth. Like it's so oversaturated that, you know, even like I'm a big drag race fan and yeah. the girls used to get like 500,000 yes. followers for being mm-hmm. on that show. The the mo- they'll barely crack a hundred k if that like yeah. it's gotten so there there's like not enough uh, fans almost or like they're just so oversaturated with franchises and yeah. seasons that yeah. it's not even as worth it as it used to be yeah, and yeah. I, even I think with Drag Race there's another they, those people have a talent that they can market and <laughs> go work you're right <laughs> you know what I mean they could go work somewhere mm. you know they can go work for World of Wonder they could go and yeah. be on Tour de Booted they can go and be guest stars on all their work podcasts, the world yeah. work the world mm-hmm. tours they have like so many different career opportunities yeah. that they've set up for them and these other contestants are left on their or like dolo on their own to exactly. create these audience. That's, That's it. it. Yeah. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm curious your thoughts about Rachel Lindsay post show and how she's navigated being in the Bachelor Nation and then having to like kind of set herself free from it all. Mm-hmm. Goals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's like one of the hardest working people yes. in Hollywood, but yeah. definitely coming out of the franchise. She gave them free labor in continuing to speak her mind and hold them accountable as far as representation and just dealing with racial issues. And she's, I thought, I think done the best job from anyone from the franchise of pivoting away and creating her own career. Mm -hmm. And I think she like very much paved a way, I think, for, I'd say like Michelle, Michelle Young, because she's still within Bachelor Nation, be able to like maintain a Bachelor Nation still talking about issues of race and holding them accountable in a way that we saw Rachel get ignored for for so long. I think she did that work so that Michelle can be there now and still kind of, you know, basically pass the torch and do it and still kind of like maintain her sanity while doing that. But yeah, we're huge fans of Rachel Lindsay just for what she's Mm -hmm. definitely done for the franchise, but then also just really admiring how you know, she's been able to pivot and create her own name for herself. And you might not even know that she came from The Bachelorette, which I think Mm -hmm. is really incredible. We're going to take a quick break for commercials and we'll be right back with our guest. Has dealing with stress and trying to get more focused a New Year's resolution you haven't cracked yet or don't really know how to fix? I have a lot of trouble staying focused and I also get super stressed out. And I think the not being able to stay focused really dovetails with that. So if there was a way for me to keep my focus that didn't also cause my brain to get so scattered with stress, I would love to be able to fix it. I sometimes can't focus on the task at hand because I'm so busy realizing that there are things I need to do on the Just Between Us Instagram account. So I'll be like fully writing something and all of a sudden my brain will go, JBU Instagram, have to post on social media. Truvega is a handheld product that stimulates the vagus nerve to improve overall health and wellness. Stimulating the vagus nerve with Truvega helps to balance and strengthen the nervous system, which reduces stress, increases focus, improves mood, and improves sleep. Truvega is owned by Electricor and uses its patented technology for overall health and wellness benefits. Its utilized technology is the most clinically studied and tested vagus nerve therapy available. Customizable sessions are only two minutes long. Recommended usage is one session in the morning and one at night. Truvega comes programmed with 350 sessions, which if used twice a day, will last approximately six months. 
It's drug-free and easy-to-use therapy to help improve your health. No app or phone is required. We offer free standard shipping, payment plan options, and a 30-day money-back guarantee. It's only available in the U.S. at this time. Visit truvega.com, T-R-U-V-A-G-A.com, and enter promo code Just Between Us to enhance your wellness journey, support this podcast, and receive $15 off. That's T-R-U-V-A-G-A.com. Check out promo code Just Between Us. back i'm curious about like the fan base with you guys like you were talking about you know you get a lot of messages Mm -hmm. and like has there been pushback on being like a a black women you know bachelor like you guys i think have like i said i think you're legally veterans like you've (laughs) been putting up with a lot is that like disheartening to be like okay is this the is this the majority of the fan base like what what is the Mm -hmm. response been Mm -hmm. and what and how do you like what do you think about that Yeah, I think the response has been mostly positive, to be honest. I think there were a lot of people who were just desperate to find people who look like them and speak like them, who watch the show, who can give commentary throughout the week. But we, whenever we do get racist um, kind of feedback, I always take it as a compliment because why would you listen to a show with two black girls as the first... Three words of the name of the show. We're not trying to gaslight you at all. We're not trying to do some crazy marketing. We are two black girls. You know it already. And you still listen and you still got feelings and you still go call me a name. Now I'm laughing at you. Mm-hmm. But if somebody, so funny. somebody in our community feels upset, that's when I get upset about stuff. But mm-hmm. anybody outside of the community, we've had whole Instagrams come up like you ugly N words, these ugly monkeys doing this, that and the third, like all kinds of crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. And I laugh. I screenshot it and laugh. Me and Natasha <laughs> laugh about that. Like it's hilarious mm-hmm. because it's right there. It's ridiculous. So that's your fault. But I think also like I love our listeners because we we started off and quickly became just like the rebels of Bachelor Nation. Yeah. You can come on over and listen to us. We're having a good time watching the show, but it's definitely us being very unapologetic, us being very critical of what we're watching. And I think we've found a fan base and we found listeners who really were craving that because they too were Mm -hmm. also watching the show with a very critical eye, but they didn't hear anybody else saying things that the the way that we were saying Mm -hmm. them. And so that's been a really fun space to be in, just like all of us feeling like the rebels who can kind of just say whatever we want about this show and get away with it. So it's been fun Mm -hmm. with the listeners. It is wild how much marginalized people watch. Like... I'm gay, I'm queer and trans and like my friends who watch are all queer and sometimes mm-hmm. I like step back and I'm like why are we are gay <laughs> why are we watching this we what is gay. this yeah. and like I don't know it's this fa- fascinating thing to be obviously like I'm gonna watch the queer ultimatum because I love mess mm-hmm. but like mm-hmm. you know it's very much like why am I sitting here every week to watch the bachelor of all things <laughs> like i'm not the audience mm-hmm. for it mm-hmm. i know and i and i try really hard to think about like why mm-hmm. yeah i think it's kind of a comfort show for a lot of people like you watch for 12 weeks exactly you know at mm-hmm. the very end it's going to be either mess or a love story there's only two options <laughs> or a messy yeah. love story mm-hmm. maybe but even that's like usually not the case 
I think the email that we've gotten from marginalized groups of people is that it actually helps them navigate their like nine to five world easier. Mm -hmm. We get a lot of emails from people who are like, this is how I talk to like my straight female boss and bond with her Mm -hmm. in a way that I would not ever have the chance to Mm -hmm. if this show wasn't on. (laughs) Yes. Totally. Yeah, I feel like becoming a fan of the show was like the first time I was like, oh, I understand what it means to like root for a sports team. It's like I'm part of a community. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I've even like I don't watch anymore. Like I might come back to watch this the the old people bachelor because that seems exciting to me. (laughs) But um, (laughs) I uh, I've like lost interest. It's it's become so routine and boring that like I can't even keep up with it anymore. Mm I used to say that I I loved it because it was such a great depiction of polyamory because it's so (laughs) funny to be like, we, okay, so you can accept that someone can fall in love with two people at once, Mm -hmm. but then the end is you must choose one. Mm -hmm. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, interesting. So we've, we're almost there. You know what I mean? (laughs) Almost. We're almost Almost there. You can have, you know, I'm waiting for the season where it's like, you know what? Let's all three walk off into the sunset. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's be a throuple. Oh, wow. (laughs) I do have like one final question that I'm trying to figure out how to phrase about the concept of love is blind, Mm. because I think in a way it tries to ignore race when race completely influences the way in which you experience the world Mm -hmm. and the way in which people experience you. Mm -hmm. And so this idea of like, oh, well, you shouldn't know at all what your partner looks like. But to not even know what race they are is like you don't even understand their experience mm. in the mm-hmm. world then. Mm-hmm. So I, like, have you have you thought anything similar to that? Yeah, I think it's like so ridiculous that they try to say <laughs> that race is not effective because you can even <laughs> we've had speech pathologists. Shout out to our yes, listeners. My yeah. God, have linked us to studies as to how. Black people can hear that somebody else is black over the phone. Like I always yep. know if I call customer service, I always know somebody's black over the phone. Mm-hmm. And how every marginalized group has different nasal passages and throat passages <laughs> and can hear if somebody is black, whether they see them or not. Mm. So I think it's like kind of funny that they say it. Because it's, well, it's funny that Kwame was like, I was gonna go by Alex, I, but then uh, I went by Kwame. Hands. <laughs> But I like was like, it's good that he went by Kwame because it's like, yeah. you know, you you and then I also liked how whatever shake is a monster. But I liked how <laughs> shake and deep tea were both like we're both Indian. Yeah. You know what I mean, yeah. like mm-hmm. they were saying it or getting it across in yeah. some way what race mm-hmm. they are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I it, just, it just kind of feels like that. I don't see color take that is like yeah. so yeah. deeply flawed. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. I've been saying, too, with love is blind, like. We're taking out physicality, but yet everyone here still looks beautiful. Like everyone cast is still. I thought (laughs) before I watched the show Mm -hmm. ever, I'm new to it. I thought that there were going to be people of different sizes, of different limb abilities. That's what was interesting to me when I went in. I was like, oh, this will be so interesting because it'll be people that, you know, they're really going just based on not looks. Right. Mm -hmm. And then when I started watching it, I was like, Everyone's a fucking model. What is interesting about this? (laughs) Right. Yeah. Like, I thought, I truly, when I just didn't know anything about it, I truly thought that it was, like, going to be juicy in that way. Mm -hmm. And then it just, like, wasn't at all. Yeah. (laughs) No, that has been, like, the disappointing element of Love is Blind. So I'm like, this is the Mm -hmm. show that can 
bring us right. representation like of mm-hmm. all realms but they are just choosing to continue to you know cast who they want to cast well the problem is then it's like the the reveal is is oh it's funny that she's a big girl or the yeah. reveal is right. oh it, my god it it's a trans become, man you know yeah, what i mean yeah, like yeah. then i'm like oh do i want that i don't know <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah i don't yeah. want that show <laughs> be funny if they did an all if what if they did an all trans love is blind but they didn't say anything and then Mm. everyone was just and then is that a good idea for a show and then everyone was like pleasantly surprised to find out that everyone else was trans trans. that'd be so fun (laughs) so fun oh my god i feel like like that'd be really fun you get into get to mexico you're like oh my god this is great (laughs) but that's what i'm I'm talking about like how can you not share that you're Okay, yeah. we think of trans as like a physical thing, mm-hmm. but it's also like how you, your life experience of these ma- yeah. major things you've been through yeah. and like to not know that you're engaged to someone who's trans and has had the trans experience right. is like you don't really know your Person. partner. Yeah, you don't know. Well, them. you can yeah. be like Zach and just start trauma dumping immediately. <laughs> he no. is white, but you can just immediately start being like, and this is what I've been through. <laughs> yeah. If you want. I love Zach. Shout out to Zach, my autistic oh, king. Wow. Okay. Autistic King. Autistic King. <laughs> I haven't watched the most recent. I oh. yeah, I've, I've like lost steam you with should. reality this shows. A good one. I know. It's a this good last one. Love Is Blind is worth it. I yeah, so. definitely. Okay. And I recommend watching yeah. it behind your TV. <laughs> I, I I did a second watch like almost like she totally was in the pods. behind my television. <laughs> like I was in the pod. So you're in the pod. <laughs> yeah, it was good. No, yeah. that's that. brilliant. <laughs> it was a good time. That's so brilliant. Did you have different opinions? No, I had the same opinions. I was I was actually worse. And all the singing, there's a quite a bit of singing by people. No. Okay, that not I will singing. not forgive Zach yeah, for. No. That I will not or forgive Kwame. Zach for. Or Kwame. Kwame, Kwame, Kwame also Kwame. made up quite a few songs. Um, <laughs> and I found myself to be even more disgusted by Chelsea. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> for and falling like, for why it. would you yeah. ever fall for that? Why were you crying? Like, oh my God. Mm. Because sexual sex is spiritual connection, nah. soul connection, whatever. Look, nah. I don't they, I'm oh, I'm glad they found each other. Yeah, I don't have to get them. it. Same. <laughs> yes. Yes. Exactly. They are meant for one another yeah, for sure. Good for you yeah. guys. <laughs> yep. Uh, well, now is the time of the show where we play a very silly game show. If you're interested, you have to, but <laughs> you're forced to, in fact. Yes, yes. Um, I think we've had one guest in three years say no. Oh, damn. How dare they? Oh, no. I mean, say yeah, no what? in the moment. <laughs> or no, say no ahead of time. I think we've had two times people have said no ahead of time. I would remember. Did someone say no in the moment? That would be. Can you imagine if that happened in the moment? Wow. Can you imagine? Melissa says yes. Can you imagine no. someone being like, actually, no? And I'd be like, okay, to the, 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 it's a good day, over. sir. Toodaloo. Toodaloo. So this game is called Hypotheticals. You and Gabe are going to be my contestants. I'm going to give you a series of hypothetical situations. You can ask any clarifying questions you might have, and then you tell me what you would do in that situation. And I pick my favorite answer. It's like we're the final three and we're in fantasy suites. Yes. Mm. yes. Oh, wow. And let me he tell you, on. I do fuck in the fantasy suite. <laughs> <laughs> <God>. <laughs> okay. So our first game is America's favorite game show. Would you stay with this cheater? Your partner of four years goes away on a weekend trip with their college friends. They all go out to a bar and a wealthy patron starts hitting on your partner and implies that if they get a kiss, 
The patron will buy everyone drinks for the whole night. Your partner agrees in order to save their friends money, but ends up having to kiss this person before every round. There are seven rounds. Would you stay with this cheater? What kind of kiss? Tongue. How long? Um, They range from five to ten seconds. What do you guys think? I don't care if you have to kiss him on the hand. First of all, <laughs> why can't you buy your own drinks and you flew out somewhere with your friends for the weekend? That's, That's my question. number one. <laughs> We're too old for that kind of travel. Number two, why are you agreeing to something you don't know the conditions of? Seven times is different from one time. And it seems as though the conditions were one time up front. <laughs> and it seems like they, that person wants a certain kind of fantasy. That, that seems like a fantasy that you have when you go to a bar and you pick up somebody who's there mm. for the weekend. <laughs> oh, you know what I'm saying? And you're sort of like buying yeah. them. Yeah. It's a decent proposal, but not even right. a million dollars. Right. Round exactly. You're not even getting cash. <laughs> you're getting a round of drinks. That's not nearly enough. I thought you were going to say seven rounds. I thought you were going to say I'll pay off student loans or something. <laughs> nah. No way. Pay off my student loans. Don't <laughs> right. buy yeah. drinks. Yeah, that's good yeah. idea. That's that's you thinking smart, oh just yeah. thinking smart. I would have been like, yeah, go for it. I know. I was like, this is so funny because I bet Gabe was like, who cares? <laughs> <Good drink. laughs> no problem. <laughs> yeah, I don't really care at all. I really, I would just be like, that's sort of a strange power move, but go <laughs> off. Like, I, I guess like, yeah, you're right. It does read to me as a kink of mm-hmm. some kind of this person being like, this is what I like. It's sort of financial mm-hmm. dominance mm-hmm. or some kind of like, Oh, I love to go to a bar and find a, a stranger. stranger. Almost yeah, like yeah. I it feels kind of icky now that you say it because it's like, okay, I'm gonna go to a bar and find a stranger and see if I can buy Yeah, them. that's what it's everyone giving. they go yeah. back to the car, they're like, Everyone can be bought. <laughs> love isn't real. <laughs> Some sort of weird villain. You freak me out there. I didn't like what you went right, right, right. That like person it. is now freaky. <laughs> we hate that person. Oh, I, I do feel like I'm more understanding of the situation because they're getting their friends free drinks. That's sweet. Like, it'd be one thing if it's like you're just not paying mm. for your own drinks, but, you know, you're there with a bunch of people. You're probably the hero mm-hmm. of the night. Perhaps. You love to be the hero the of the night. I love to be the oh, hero of okay. the night. Okay. <laughs> What if the person wanted to make out with you? No, gross. Yeah, the idea of making out with a stranger makes me want to vomit. That's so funny. That's like every night of my week. <laughs> I know. Oh, God. <laughs> I just don't know why. Why is everyone so broke in this bar? Why are my friends? Yeah, that's what I'm questioning. We don't deserve yes. to be out here getting drinks. So we can't buy question. ourselves drinks. Just the brokenness is like, bothering me. Great yeah. question. <laughs> Alcoholics. Well, it's the wage gap, Natasha. I guess. Yeah. The wage gap. Yeah, I, the wage gap. <laughs> it's income inequality led has led to this. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> I will say when I watch the the early episodes of The Bachelor and they're kissing so many different people, I get the ick. Yeah, yeah. I always, when I watch, I'm always like, well, when I'm The Bachelorette, which is ludicrous, <laughs> yeah. I'll never be The Bachelorette. I think that about myself yeah. all the time. That's like part of the watch what is like, how, one, one yeah. it's my turn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I'm always like, I would have to tell the producers that there's no kissing night one. Mm. That nobody can kiss me mm-hmm. night one. Why don't you just t- make an announcement to the group? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no kissing night one. Producers yeah. would make and it. probably night yeah. two either. And honestly, probably night three if we're true. I, you know what? I don't want to save kiss it this for the proposal. <laughs> That's Allison. We, it's, yeah, oh, okay. the least steamy season you've right. ever seen. Everyone's wearing sweaters and long pants, baby. 
Well, to be fair, they look cold a lot. I wouldn't want to be cold. See, this is why she'd be a great bad. I know. <laughs> I need the season. The season of cozy. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> Our next game. Are you a terrible parent? Your child, 35, has been sucked down a misinformation rabbit hole and has started spouting horrible, hateful beliefs. To stop this, Ugh. you kidnap your child who's 35. Got it. In the middle of the night and force them to spend a week locked in your basement unlearning the misinformation. It works, but they do lose their job because they went MIA. Are you a terrible parent? No, you're a great parent. <laughs> no, you're a great parent. Right? Yes. Am I wrong? Yeah. Save your child yeah. from Facebook. Absolutely. Save them. And yeah. from the Twitter bots. Oh, my God. They can find yeah. another job. Yeah. I could finesse yeah. a resume. That's a skill of mine. Yeah. I got you, son. It is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, technically, it is a crime. It's kidnapping. This is true. Of your own child? They're over 18. Yeah. You yeah. can kidnap your own child. No, you, you want your parents to think that? <laughs> My dad has done it. That's how I know it's no. real. You oh, get God. in the car with that man, you are not going where you think you're going. Or you're going to multiple locations. Or he's taking you from Nashville to Memphis. You don't want to go to Memphis. <laughs> All right. I don't think you've been locked in the basement, though, for a week. No, I've just been stuck in a car where I have to ladybird myself out the out the side if I want to get out. I my dad, like if he's listening to this, you do kidnap me, and you know that you do. (laughs) So I think you're a good parent, and I think wait, so sorry, I want to go back, Natasha. You can finesse a resume. Yes, my I had a past life as a career counselor. So one thing I can do very well is finesse a resume. So I'm. Totally kidnapping this child. We will find him another job. It's fine. <laughs> I actually feel like we should use kidnapping more. <laughs> Please take this out of context. Right. Please pull this clip. I know. Just and I would like to have this on t- on TikTok immediately. <laughs> like, right? Like, there's all these people that are falling into these rabbit mm-hmm. holes. We just got to, yeah. you know, deprogram yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that you sound like someone who runs like like a, a conversion therapy camp. <laughs> yeah, well, no, but for the right side. Yeah, right. For, the for the right, the right for cause. the wrong thing for the right side. For the yeah. left right. side. For the left right. side, as Melissa just told me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh okay, so unanimously, awesome parent going in my parenting mm-hmm. book. Yep. Okay, our final game. Would you forgive this liar? You are going through a terrible divorce. And one day, your work colleague finds you upset in the bathroom. They share that they also went through a terrible divorce. But five years later, they are thriving. And it was the best decision they ever made. This makes you feel a lot better. And six months later, you mention how much they helped you to another colleague who says, what? They never got divorced. Would you forgive this liar who was just trying to help? Yeah. Yeah. Really. It's yeah, coworkers. You don't have to like deal with them ever really in a personal setting. Just it doesn't matter. <laughs> They're probably lying to you about oh like Everything. God knows what. Who cares? It's a coworker. I well, wouldn't you be thrown though? I would be thrown. I would be thrown. But I've heard of, of uh I mean one, I think they were just trying to be nice and like make yeah. me feel not alone, which yeah. is sweet. But I also have heard of people who want to leave early from work. So they have a picture of a fake child on their desk and they'll just be like, oh, I'm so sorry. My kid's sick at school. (laughs) And they like make up a full backstory for the kid. And then they're like, I actually go have to pick up 
Timmy from school. I'm so sorry. And they're like, the boss is like, of course, I understand. Family That's first. So He's a fake kid. <laughs> and every year it's a new photo with like a kid that's actually aging, like grows up. Yeah, yeah. I think it's brilliant. That's no, it doesn't weird. even have to age. You can just be like, this is a picture. It doesn't. Oh, that's little. true. It does this picture. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. But it'd be commitment to show them That's aging. commitment. Mm -hmm. yeah. That is. And you're getting going to age progression. You're like, <laughs> you're like, this is starting to look like when they do the age progressions for missing kids. Like it's starting to <laughs> like look kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah. Valley. Like, yeah. I don't really know about this. Oh, God. Or like they they're like, oh, now your kid must be in college. It's like, oh, we just got pregnant by mistake. <laughs> <laughs> we have another fake kid. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Careers are long. My <laughs> kid. Oh my god, my kid is a teen mom, and now I have to care yeah. for that. Yeah. Okay, so, you know, it's, all, it's, all, yeah. it's really a lot. Yep. Oh god. <laughs> oh my gosh, this was so much fun. Thank you so much for joining us. And where can people find you, follow you, and listen to your show? Thanks for having us. This was a lot of fun. Yes, thank you so much. Yes. Um, you can find us on Instagram, on TikTok, on all podcast platforms. Two Black Girls. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Rose. We just covered Indian matchmaking and Jewish matchmaking. Oh my God, I gotta watch that. You must, yes. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Stick around after the break. We'll be talking all about medical discrimination in Florida. Just between us, it's time for topics. X, 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 baby, baby, baby. <sighs> time to get riled up. Let's get riled. That should be a new segment of the show called Let's Get Riled, and it's something that's pissing us off every yeah. week. <laughs> and we play Let's Get Riled. Let's Get Riled. We don't have the right, but it's a parody. Oh, okay. That's that Nathan Fielder angle. <laughs> Have Gabe do conspiracy corner, and then we get riled up about that. Oh, that's true. Conspiracy corner. Let's get riled. Mm -hmm. Reddit or not, we got tons of segments. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this week I wanted to talk about the absolute shit show that is uh, Ron DeSantis and the laws that he's passing in Florida, but more specifically, a new bill. License to discriminate in healthcare. This bill will allow healthcare providers and insurers to deny a patient care on the basis of religious, moral, or ethical beliefs. Oh, cool. It creates a license to discriminate by allowing healthcare employers to discriminate in hiring, and it bars medical boards from disciplining doctors for spreading misinformation. Oh, my God. So basically, like, you could be in a car accident, dying, and then the, the EMT could be like, oh, you're trans. I'm not going to save your life. Yep. So here's the thing. So I'm from Florida and it's never been a particularly progressive or good place. Um, when I was growing up, uh, I, gay people were not allowed to adopt. And I saw that firsthand because my mother works in child custody and um, my family is still there. And I don't know that I would go visit them. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty terrified of the ways in which they're passing these very fascist, very uh, discriminatory and scary laws. I mean, I was just keeping up with the whole thing about how they're making it so that trans kids can be taken away from their parents. Like it was hard to grow up there definitely as a little cl closeted kid. I don't know how anyone could stay there now. I mean, 
I think it's a really big, I just don't know. I haven't really talked to my parents about leaving. They always say they want to leave, but it's just, it seems like such a template for other states to follow. Well, I think we have to remember that a lot of people can't afford to leave. I know. I am. And so like, I was saying it doesn't even matter if they do, because it'll be a template for other states to just do the same thing. Well, I think it's, I mean, I think it's incredibly alarming. Like, I think even like 10 years ago, if you said that Florida was passing a law where like doctors don't have to help everyone in need because of their own belief systems and they can deny care to people based on their gender or 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 sexual orientation or race or or religion or religion, you'd be like, what? This is America. But as we've seen, like. Over the course of from, you know, when when Trump started campaigning to now, just like what is tolerated and what is like deemed as like, oh, yeah, that's that sounds good. Instead of like, whoa, that's clearly fascism. Like people's just like they've just like kind of beaten us into having like such high tolerance for fascism and discrimination that is like out of control. And and I think in Florida, I mean, my only hope is that this is going to backfire on him. Yeah. That he is going so fascist so hard that like he is only appealing to his base. Group. And the thing we have to remember is that the majority of people do not feel this way. Yeah. The majority of people don't want abortions to be banned. The majority of people don't think that we should just like let LGBTQ people die and not give them medical service. Like, the, the voices that do believe that are incredibly loud. And so it can feel like they are the majority, but they're not. And I think that like we it can be exhausting to keep shouting about how dire and bad and scary this is. But we have to keep it up because like Gabe said, it's just going to keep spreading to other states if we don't like really put up a fight. So like when you Google just Ron DeSantis right now. Mm hmm. The news, even though th- it, this is happening at the same time, but the news is heavily about Disney mm-hmm. and how uh, Disney is not going to build their campus there. That was like two billion dollars. And so do y'all think that hitting him like hitting the state where the money is, is a, is the best move for this? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I think if 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 he plays chicken with Disney and loses he's gonna be so fucked because like if people are losing jobs mm-hmm. you know like suddenly their their horrible belief systems matter less than the fact that they like need food on their table right well he's trying to run for president my read is that fear is so strong and the propaganda is so strong in sort of this fear of like trans people are taking over our kids and gay people are pedophiles and groomers and like all these sort of fear t- and human trafficking is around the corner and just like all these very blown up fear things QAnon adjacent type stuff I think that they are so scared that this small majority becomes loud because they they do they do get people elected I mean, they do like get these things passed somehow. Like there are enough judges that will, uh, you know, do this kind of stuff. Like they have to be appealing to some to some 
base. But the other thing is the thing that you have said before, Allison, which is that our side doesn't play dirty. And so there are more of us, but for some reason we don't, we like, because we have this moral high ground, quote unquote, things just happen around us and we go oopsie doopsie. Yeah, it's a big problem. I mean, if if other people, you know, bring a knife to a fist fight, like just really being dedicated to fighting fairly, you're going to die. <laughs> like, you know, know like but what do we, we got we to bring two knives. I mean, a, another big issue is that like, you know, someone in my life keeps being like, but why isn't Florida protesting more? Like, right. why isn't Florida putting up more of a fight? And it's because I think that when we protest against fascist regimes in America, people get shot by the police. Right. Like the idea of peaceful protest in America, I guess, only applies when you're, um, you know, violently attacking the Capitol. Right. For right. when you're fighting, you know, fascism, it, it's impossible to have a peaceful protest. Like I, I it, like it would not surprise me at all if there was like a big protest in Florida if DeSantis sent out the police to like brutally violently attack the protest. Right. Because they'll be like because they have those those laws in Florida now, like if you just like look like an immigrant then they're, they're checking papers or they're saying they're checking papers that, that they really can't but they just have they're just have all this like power to do things that aren't necessarily legal standing but because the governor said here's a script for you to memorize then yeah. go ahead and do it but like they'll just have those people out and be like you look suspicious so it's time to go I think also Florida gets a, a reputation as being a wild west sort of stupid place anyway. So there so people are like, whatever, Florida sucks. Cut it off the you know, they're like, cut it off the United States, set it into the ocean, that kind of thing. One. So there you go, they go, Oh, it's a joke, like Florida sucks. And then two, oftentimes people who protest have to have the time and and money and inclination to do so. Whereas like you were saying, you know, there's a lot of people in Florida who are immigrants who, if they got arrested, they would face at a protest, they would face different consequences. Um, there's a lot of people who are low income in in the state of Florida who are like, I don't I don't have time to go protest. Like he, it's a very it's a perfect storm of ability to take advantage of a state. Yeah, I think it's got to I think like Melissa's right, we've got to ha- hit them economically. And then also like federally and yeah. like the federal government needs to like step in and like not let this stuff happen. But he unfortunately, do I think that is not going to happen. He doesn't do shit and he's running again. <sighs> but why can't Biden just be like, actually, no, that's not I don't know enough about how states rights work. Yeah, I think it's state. He's doing things that are specifically state stuff. But then it's like, do you send in the National Guard then? Which is, I mean, historically does also cause violence. Yeah. It's just so unfortunate that this stuff has been, like, the there's such a great, there's such a great, like, in the wake of trans visibility, some great stuff. And also in the wake of it, a real target on our backs that people can really focus on and elect people who will do other awful, terrible things based on the fear of queer people. And it's just, I really, it feels like when Hitler was setting everyone up to hate the Jews. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Can I go there? Can I visit my family? I don't think you can. I can't. Mm -hmm. And I also don't think that I can. um, I also don't want to give them my money. I don't want to give them like my tourism money or anything like that. Yeah, I don't really think I can go there. I mean, that's the thing what people can do is, right, like not go vacation in Florida. Yeah. You know, artists, uh, musicians cannot tour in Florida. Like businesses need to pull out if they can. Like, and I, and I get that that will like, unfortunately have fallout for like. Just average people for, like, who want to go to concerts. People. But like, I think that we have to do, you know, we have to hit them where it hurts and where it always hurts is money because morality doesn't matter or that their idea of morality is so flawed. Yeah. So, but yeah, so if you have a Disney World trip planned, come to Disneyland instead. Yeah. It's oh, not yeah. as good, but come here. You'll, yeah, we you'll have be Universal. Safer. You'll be safer. You'll be safer for sure. Yeah. Six Flags Atlanta is actually really good. If you want yeah. to stay in that same area, can recommend Six Flags Atlanta. Yeah. What do we rate this episode? 50 out of 49. Bummer, babes. Real bummer. I'll give it 40 out of 30 fuck offs because I didn't get to say it earlier. When yeah, did. fuck off. Fuck off. And I'll rate it 67 out of 14 married at second sight. Oh, <laughs> that's my new show. <laughs> you get a little glimpse and then that's it. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you to Justine and Natasha for being our guests. Just Between Us is a Forever Dog production hosted by me, Allison Raskin. And me, Gabe Dunn. Produced by Melissa Diamond Monts. Edited by Coco Lorenz. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. Brendan Burns composed our killer theme music. To listen to this podcast ad-free, sign up for Forever Dog Plus at foreverdogpodcast.com slash plus. And make sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Forever Dog Team to keep up with all the latest Forever Dog news. Also, you can follow this podcast at Just Between Us Pod on TikTok and at JBU Podcast on Instagram. Also, I'm on Instagram now at Gabe S. Dunn. And I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Allison Raskin. And on TikTok at, at Allison Raskin Baby. And I'm on TikTok as Dabby Gun. So branding's going really well over here. Yeah, good luck finding us. Forever. Dog.